Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with four smart, sport-loving ladies. This is Helmets and Heels with Lauren, Donna, Taylor, and Mia, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. And we get to begin the show the same way we have the last few weeks as far as Victory Tuesday. But this time... It's even more of a challenge when it comes to Saturday Night Football because you've got the Los Angeles Chargers coming here, kicking off at 8.15. But I have to tell you, ladies, that environment Saturday night was absolutely incredible against the Titans. And all of Jacksonville owes Taylor Dahl. Yeah, I was about to say, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you. First thing I said to her when she walked into the office yesterday was, oh, so did you have fun at the game? And she goes, well, actually, I didn't I did not go. end up going. <laughs> I think we leaned heavily enough starting on Tuesday. <laughs> Taylor, night, I would last love week. I would love for you to experience it, <laughs> but also I just don't think we can take the that sort of risk. No. I would not want to take that risk at this point. So I will just watch from afar and celebrate <laughs> from afar. And then maybe one day I could break the curse like uh, one Eric Dunn did. <laughs> yes, he needed the power of a, a of a I was gonna say a snuggie, but it is called the blankie. He needed the power of a lot of other fans flying in that also reverse jinxes. Mm-hmm. And that combination of goodwill and positive vibes was what overcame. So if we can uh, recreate that, maybe we can let Taylor Dahl into the bank on Saturday. Maybe. <laughs> I There's think a large question year, on. I think for this year we are going to stick with what we've been doing that's been working. I am so incredibly superstitious, and I know a, a lot of people out there are. And in the end, it probably doesn't really matter what we do. But if we think it's working, we're going to keep it going because you know what? Not many of us predicted that the Jaguars would be AFC South champions to this point. Donna Murphy did. She did. She was the only one out of us that did. Uh, So she gets to take all the credit for that. And certainly we'll give her all that praise when she rejoins us in a few weeks. But as far as this coming Saturday night, Mia, can we have the same electricity? It, It felt like Saturday night was something magical. Like I would describe it as more magical than the first time a kid goes to Disney World. That's how magical Saturday night was. Yeah, and I think it started, you know, obviously in the parking lot with the tailgating, which thankfully, yours truly, uh, I had a feeling, I had an inkling it could get a little crazy. So got there super early to ensure that no issues getting to and from the uh, kickoff show, the Wingstop kickoff show from tailgaters. Um, And you felt it in the parking lot. But you say to yourself, all right, like this feels almost like a college football atmosphere. Like that's cool. What did it for me, Lauren, was being on the field during warmups. I've now traveled with the Jaguars to at least a half dozen cities between my time here and then also at First Coast News to cover the team on the road. And one thing that always stands out when the Jaguars are on the road is so many of these great NFL environments, not only when their home team takes the field for warmups do they go absolutely crazy, sure, but as soon as the opposition takes the field for warmups, mm-hmm. they boo like mm-hmm. crazy. And we had both of those on Saturday night. And that was when I looked around and went, whoa. Something's different here. This yeah. this is what you hear at Arrowhead. This is what you hear at Jerry World. Philadelphia. And, mm-hmm. and so for me, like that was when I went, wow. And what was most telling was that as the Jaguar players were coming onto the field, mm-hmm. it was just hilarious because <laughs> I was so stunned. Like I, I didn't even pick up my phone quick enough to film it because I was just in awe of what was happening as the Jaguars came onto the field for pregame warmups and the crowd went nuts. 
it was hilarious that you could look at Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and a bunch of those guys who have exclusively played in Jacksonville, and they were like, Whoa. They're here. They're this is all, for us. They're already in the building. But then you have a guy like Arden Key who has played, you know, for some historic franchises and has been a part of environments like this, playoff environments. And he just comes running out and he goes running right to the crowd and starts pumping them up more. And so it was just so hilarious because, again, he he's he's used to what it should be. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully now those other guys see that this should be the standard. Yeah. Well, and I think the most important thing about that is the fact that, Taylor, the Jaguars have a test run already under their belts. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what it feels like to have their home crowd beyond pumped up mm-hmm. and playing it Saturday night at 8.15. It's the exact same schedule that they had, and they know the feeling. Yeah. And that game mattered so much, and, and I know a lot of people – Last week kind of thought, well, the Jaguars feel like they, you know, they feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And this week it it may feel a little different. It, to me, is so important that they already have that yeah. down. They know exactly. It's The moment, in other words, is not going to be too big for them come this Saturday night against the Chargers. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it, it was it's harder to tell watching on TV how loud it is, mm-hmm. but you do see little things that give it away. And a lot of times it is the players putting their hands up. Like when the Jags players yep. are doing this, you know, it's probably pretty loud and they're trying to just be like, all right, we hear you. Like, let's get a little louder. When the opposing team is having to cover their ears, you know, it's pretty loud. And so those are little signals that you can tell from just watching on TV how loud it actually is. So I am bummed. I didn't get to experience that part in person because I'm not going to jinx us, but <laughs> Um, hopefully you have many years to come <laughs> yes hopefully this is the beginning of a long stretch of this and it it will be common it won't be us being like wow it was so loud I can't believe it was that loud it would be like okay that's every Sunday you know um but I do I think that the now how last weekend went and I do think because a divisional game adds a little extra to any game it, it, it is what it is especially because you hate that team even more so with Tennessee it was that just the vibe and you felt it all week I, I posted a tweet leaving here Friday like when Jackson was winning games this city is the absolute vibe because there was flags flying on cars again and I, I saw everybody with their gear walking into the gas stations and that's just to me a little glimpse of what's to come for a long time but I do think that it is it is going to help and or should help the Jags that they have now had enough that Saturday last week they have an extra day of rest and last week they were coming off less rest and it didn't seem to affect the defense much at all which is good but I do think there's a lot of things that can kind of help in this they've also also they've already played the Chargers which we'll get into that game a little more they were beat up the first time but you still have experience against this team also that you can take away what went mostly well but there were you know there were some moments there and I just think it'll be – I think it's a great scenario for the Jags. And as I mentioned last week, too, I'm pumped when it's Saturday night because I don't have to worry about coming to work Monday morning. <laughs> you and, and everybody else. I will say the crowd – the other thing that I think the crowd did was the defense – when the offense was on the field and the defense knew that it was about to be their turn, probably a three and out at that point in time, uh, maybe a field goal. It, it, that's what it felt like. But – the defense was jumping up and down. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I was so nervous all game thinking Derrick Henry's going to ruin this for his hometown, right? Like that that is going to be the storyline is Derrick Henry does it to the Jaguars again, especially when he stiff-armed Rayshon Jenkins. Mm-hmm. But they were jumping up and down, and that's when I thought to myself, the season that Rayshon Jenkins is having, he's not going home tonight. He, no. he is going to will this defense 
and Josh Allen certainly uh, yeah. too. That, like I could just tell from the way they were acting on the sidelines. And I was like, all right, I, I think they're going to win this game. Yeah. But certainly I, I was like everybody else, mm-hmm. terrified <laughs> that it wasn't yeah. going to go the Jaguars way. Well, and I think that there were obviously scenarios this year where Trevor and the offense bailed out the defense. So this was that game yep. where you got the vibe from them kind of quickly that like, okay, it's not going so well on the other side and we have to. It's up to us at this point. And they stepped up big, and multiple guys stepped up big. And I think it was one of the games – probably one of the ones we'll talk about defensively for a really long time. Like, this game really shifted a lot of things, and it gives them confidence. It gives the offense confidence that, hey, like, if we do mess up, if things aren't perfect, you've got our backs. And do I want a better performance from the offense moving moving on? Yes, of course. But it's nice to know that you do have pieces to bail you out of certain situations if they don't go exactly how you want them to go. Yeah, and I think that what's been most fascinating, and I said this to Frank and Hayes during the handoff, is – Listening to this defense, and of course, you know, you can say that they're just saying these things because they're having success right now. But Josh Allen said, this is the same defense that was trotting out there the whole month of October. They're just making plays now when it matters most, Mm -hmm. and that's why you're noticing it. I will say, in my conversations with some other folks in the locker room, they are making more halftime adjustments than previous games than compared to earlier in the year. Arden Key, in particular, said to me that you are seeing Mike Caldwell develop as a play caller, and that that's obviously paramount for their success and the reason they were able to pull out that victory. But what you're also seeing is Mike Caldwell is seeing not just tendencies of the opposition, but he's seeing, hey, Ray Sean off a blitz, un, un, you know, unguarded. Mm-hmm. No, no one's catching him. You saw with Andre Sisco against both the Texans and the Jets, maybe that safety blitz with one of those two off the edge let's if we're if it's going to work now it's going to work again in the third quarter let's just keep ham- hammering it home and so what you're seeing is he's noticing what's working for the Jags and then just similar to what Doug does on the offensive side of the ball just doing it over and over and over again and we talked so much about two things where I think a theme throughout some of this season one the learn to win we mm-hmm. talked about that ad nauseum this team has to learn how to win they're young blah 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 well they certainly have figured out how to win and how to have miraculous comeback victories at that. And the other thing was the lack of pass rush. We talked about that a ton. Is Trayvon Walker not in the right position? And how do you get more out of Josh Allen, who wasn't playing well at certain mm-hmm. parts of the season? And I think it's the pass rush that has come on enough, and certainly in the key times, that's been able to to lead this team and certainly empower them to be able to take down some, some really good teams, including... Were the Titans a really good team Saturday night? No. no. <laughs> but I I would venture to say they had the best player on the field mm-hmm. in Derrick Henry. Yeah. Well, and also, Lauren, a third thing that we talked about a lot throughout the season, especially in October when they were losing the close games, were, well, the ball's just not bouncing their way. And there's probably five <laughs> or six moments that yeah. the ball literally bounced their way in well, this game. Well, and the game. holding call was so huge. Yeah. That Derrick Henry run – I think that would have been the oh, end of the game. Oh, yeah. I think the game is over if there's not that holding. Penalty. Yeah, those are that's one of the moments as that run was happening where you're just like, flag, please, <laughs> like, just throw it. Um, but yeah, and it's gotten to the point. And sometimes that's luck. Sometimes that other pieces of your team are really starting to click. So things start going your way. And I, you've really seen that shift within the last couple months. And it, it's good to see. It's exciting to see because there were a lot of moments in this game where I was like, man, thank goodness that just happened. Because if not, this could be a really different game. Um, and now here we are in the postseason and hoping the ball continues to <laughs> bounce our way. You got that right. Jamal Agnew's returns were, I thought, 
not just important, but they lit a spark mm-hmm. for this team and, and certainly helped with field position. Logan Cook did a great job. Chris Claybrooks, who doesn't get a l- mentioned mm-hmm. a lot as far as special teams go, did a fantastic job. And look, I'm not sure if Travis Etienne was hurt or not, but there was no chance the Jaguars were running the ball against the Titans. And I think it's the yeah. first time this season, Mia, that we saw the offensive line struggle a little bit. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it struggled also against the Titans, albeit not in pass protection, when they played five weeks ago. I mean, go back to that game. Travis Etienne, 17 <laughs> carries for 32 yards. It's obviously more than the 19 they amassed yeah. this past Saturday night. But Jamichael Hasty, four carries for 13 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, they could. They had 60 total yards on the ground in that matchup, and that was in a game in which they led by two scores most of the way. Yeah. So a lot of those yards were coming when they were trying to run out the clock as well. Mm-hmm. And that was in a game, again, where the Jaguars won 36-22. So now you go to this nail-biter where Mike Vrabel is just scheming up every possible way to make this be a rock fight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be surprised that the Jaguars' run game couldn't get anything going just by the nature of how they were crowding the box. Trevor Lawrence told us today that, you know, they played every single coverage you possibly could play. They mixed things up. That front four was one of the most ferocious they had faced all year. Evan Ingram told me that Saturday night. And what Trevor said, too, is a lot of those breakdowns on the offensive line, what you saw was it was almost unintentional, right? Mm -hmm. So he said that the one sack, somehow two Titans were in the same gap. Which, like, you're not expecting that because, in Trevor's words, that's not how you play football. Um, You're not really expecting that. But one guy on the Titans had the wrong assignment. The Jags left a little bit of a gap open within that little bit of space. And that's how two guys were able to come through. And so, you know, he he said there was some miscommunication between the line, the tailback, and himself. um, Things that they can clean up. Not necessarily miscommunication, but not effective communication. And so I would expect them to do just that this week. And they'll be going up against a Chargers run defense that – has struggled at times throughout the course of this year. Obviously, they're getting healthy now, but we saw back when James Robinson was still on the team week three, how many yards he and Travis Etienne were able to go for against the Chargers. I I think we saw several moments that the offense looked like there were, there was miscommunication and this would, could go between the Trevor and Zay throw, obviously the hand, the kind of shuffle pass thing, many moments, which that's another learning experience, and I do not expect that again this weekend from Trevor in the offense. There was – I even noticed earlier I felt like – and Lauren, tell me if you noticed this or maybe it was just me, but I it looked like ETN was a li- either nervous and a little bit shaken up or just frustrated kind of quick because there was a moment where I could – there was like a look on his face where he was like, okay, I'm not happy right now. And Trevor kind of walked up, put his arm around him and was like – said something to him. Obviously, we couldn't hear what he said, but it seemed like a, like, you'll be good, just, like, keep going type of thing. And I felt a little nerves out of ETN, and now I feel like that'll shake a lot of those things out, having that Saturday night. See, I thought he got kind of rocked pretty early in the game. There were a few different carries that I went, ooh, yeah. ouch. And so I that's where I wonder, yeah, if he was mm-hmm. shaken up or if he was just, maybe he was just frustrated. Obviously, from the press box, I don't get to yeah. zoom in on their faces, I suppose, if I had binoculars, but... Uh, I don't. And so <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, but overall, I think, yes, the offense knows they have to play a lot better because they're yeah. not going to win if they only score 20 points. And obviously part of those points came from that defensive touchdown. All right. I just want to give you a programming note. Gator men's basketball at LSU tips off at seven o'clock tonight. So if you want to keep listening to us, keep it on 92.5 FM or the FM stream. If you want to hear the game, you will switch to 1010 AM and the AM stream uh, so obviously Florida hoping to build upon the win over Georgia this past weekend and defeat LSU tonight. All right, we will keep it on the Jaguars, get it to our impact players, and a whole lot more. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by a tire outlet on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
a Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Welcome back to a Victory Tuesday. Mia O'Brien is here, Taylor Dahl, J.J. Silva. I'm Lauren Brooks. I have a feeling this Saturday night is going to be even more fun. Can I say that? Because I think the game itself is going to be much more exciting than the Titans-Jaguars yeah. game was this past Saturday. So I think we're going to see far well, more points and more touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I, so I mean, I'll say it's going to be more fun. I don't yeah. know if it'll be more packed yeah, necessarily, yeah. but I think it's going to be more fun. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the game was stressful. And for people who maybe had no, no like, anybody they want to win or lose in that game, maybe mm-hmm. they were like, okay. The beginning definitely sucked. But towards the end, you, you were stressed, and it was close. And you were like, oh, gosh. As a Jags fan, you were in panic mode. But as a viewer, you were probably – because I had multiple people texting me that were are not Jags fans, like – it was funny because they were actually talking about, they're like, oh, man, like Trevor's guy. I was like, if you watch this game and are saying that, then <laughs> just now, wait. I will say he made some throws in that game that were jaw-dropping. Yeah. Like, wow. How There was one to Christian Kirk. I was like, how did he put that it, yeah. ball exactly where it needed to go? And it had that perfect arc to it mm-hmm. where Christian's just running it in drops the basket. literally <laughs> yeah. in his hands. And it's like, now that is unbelievable. Yeah. And I I certainly thought he would have a better game than that. But in the end, as long as it does translate to this Saturday night and, mm-hmm. and he has a better game, then certainly uh, we have high expectations, hopefully moving forward this season and certainly beyond. All right, let's review our impact players. Uh, just a reminder, Taylor does not get them because she's also <laughs> a jinx, not just watching the game in person, but also picking impact players. So she picks them silently. Uh, JJ had... This was, of course, against the Titans. JJ had Christian Kirk and Andrew Wingard. How'd you do, JJ? I don't really... Recall Winger doing much, uh, uh, so I guess that's a win. I think win for Christian Kirk, and then Wingard. I don't, I can't necessarily recall any big plays, but certainly he didn't get embarrassed. No, not at all. The defense held them to not a lot, and certainly he coined the phrase "it was always the Jags," and exactly. that was what was on the towels. Exactly. So I, yeah, it's I think we're riding that train still. <laughs> I hope he trademarked it. He, uh, he did not. Didn't. He yeah. informed me he did not, but uh, apparently. Uh, Someone at the Jags did. Happiness, or what did he say? Uh, he, he said something about, oh, money is an abstract of human happiness, was his response to me. Do we? So, so I said, <laughs> Then okay. give all of your earnings away. <laughs> I have to admit something. It took me a while to figure out the I-T-W-A-J. Yeah, that part I thought was kind of weird. Okay, like for I was what like, what is it? It's an acronym. It was always yeah. the Jags. They, oh, ma- they tried to make it a hashtag. Yeah, but like I was like, Jags. I don't. No, no, no. We have the hashtag DTWD. We don't need more Another hashtags. Hashtag. We really yeah. don't need that. So I was at first, and I was like, I should know this. I know everything. I feel like about this team, and mm-hmm. I couldn't figure it out. And then finally, I saw it Click. connected to it was always mm-hmm. the Jags, and I was like, Oh, I don't like that. I'm not gonna, everything I'm go has to that. be an acronym. Also <laughs> true. You can yeah. just spell out it was always the Jags. Elon gave us 260 characters for a reason, folks. <laughs> Mia, who were your impact players? Uh, Andre Cisco and Zay Jones. Okay. Uh, Andre Cisco did have that one really nice pass breakup that I think was pretty crucial in the game. Uh, Zay Jones, slow start on the first drive of the game, ended up with you know quite a few catches, and you know him and Christian Kirk, which I love this stat. They were the first Jags duo to have 80 receptions each in a season since Jimmy and Keenan in 2000, which is huge. But yes. yeah, but Zay Jones ended with four catches for 21 yards, not quite the uh, crazy numbers he's put up in some other games. So, uh, yeah, uh, 0 for 2 on my part. Although, Cisco, I will I will say, Andre Cisco did have, uh, let me check, uh, five tackles, 
And then that one pass breakup. So, you know. Pretty good. Not bad. bad. I went with Trevor Lawrence and Foyer Aluakon. I think Foyer for sure uh, had Mm -hmm. a monster game as he always does. One of us definitely should have, and maybe Taylor did silently, so I can give <laughs> In my you head, silent that's credit. what I picked, whatever you're saying. Uh, Devon <laughs> Hamilton. Oh, I did not pick. Or Devon Corey Hamilton. Peters. Both of them were instrumental in the Jaguars winning. Josh Allen, certainly. Rayshon Jenkins, those mm-hmm. would have been a few others that we certainly could have named. Tyson Campbell, again, uh, would have been another impact player. All right, so let's pick going forward against the Chargers. Mia, you get to go first tonight. Um, I feel like I'm going to go for a curveball here. Oh, I like uh, it. Because of how instrumental Logan he was. Uh, there it is. Wow. There wow. it is. He was awesome. He, he won was. the game, he I was. mean, 50, as far as I'm Yeah, concerned. and I was really happy that Josh Allen told me that too. So we'll have that video over on the 1010XL channels this afternoon. He said, he was like, I don't, and part of it was Logan had just walked past him and they're they're locker mates. But he said, he's like, truly, he goes, when Logan is pinning guys, or excuse me, not guys, when Logan is pinning teams within the 10 yard line and now the crowd gets into it, how much easier is it for the Jaguars pass rush to get after it when already now the crowd is going absolutely insane and they're already behind the numbers? And this fan base knows that for a Quite some time, Logan Cook was the best player the on this team. Yeah. Like, the fan base is well aware that yeah. number nine was a huge part of this team and was one of the better players for years before, yeah. certainly this season. Yep. So, I'm going to go with Logan Cook. Okay. And then I'm also going to go with, because I believe punting is winning, so that obviously uh, is a crucial outcome if the Jaguars are to win their first playoff game since 2017. And then the other player, I am going to circle back and say Travis Etienne, um, because this I is had a, a feeling you'd pick Yeah, up. this is a Chargers run defense that has struggled. He only had 45 yards in the week three meeting between these two teams of course James Robinson had 100 yards in that game Mm -hmm. and so I think that Travis Etienne you can you could sense it in the locker room on Saturday night Uh, he was frustrated with the situation going up against the Titans defense that obviously is number one in run defense in the league and so I expect him to have a return a bounce back game because I know the Texans game was you know kind of a forgotten little asterisk because the Jaguars rolled so easily But the run game really got it going. And I've heard a lot of people this week criticizing if the Jaguars offense has been out of rhythm since that Dallas Cowboys game. The run game was not against the Texans. The run game, and I understand it's the Houston Texans who are now picking number two. Correct me, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Number two. Number number two. (laughs) In the NFL draft. I had to get that one in there. Yeah, yeah, had to get that one in there. Um, You know, I understand it's the Texans, but the run game looked awesome against Houston. And so I expect it to return to a similar form against Los Angeles this weekend. All right, JJ, who you got? I'm going to have to go with uh, Tyson just yep. because they're going to be slinging the ball everywhere. Yep, I think that's And a then good I'm going to go with Trev because okay. this is one of the guys that he's going to be compared to for eternity as long as their careers, you know, with these AFC quarterbacks. Herbert's definitely one of them. Um, and you want to perform against these guys. I know that he likes to downplay the matchup quarterback versus quarterback um, because he's so media trained. But you know that he cares about that, like all these guys do. So this is huge for you. You haven't exactly had a great last few games, so make it count, man. Yeah, and I think the hair comparison between the <laughs> two of them is going to also be discussed. <laughs> as far, and, you know, whoever plays better will end up being considered as the one with the better Trev uh, has head the of better hair. hair, win, lose, or draw. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I will go with... As far as defensively, Josh Allen, because I think the Chargers are going to try and get Eckler out in space and having Josh Allen the ability, and we saw him in coverage, obviously, that's how uh, the Jaguars ended up winning that game. I think, though, his ability to get to the outside and and prevent Eckler from getting that extra yardage, 
I think that's going to be crucial. And also, obviously, getting after Justin Herbert. The Jaguars mm-hmm. were able to win that game so easily the first time around because they had great pressure on him. And, and granted, he was very injured. Herbert yeah. was with the ribs. But still, and he didn't have his, all of his weapons. The list goes on. And then I will also say, I'll say Brandon Scherf. It seems like he is pretty banged up and he is fighting tooth and nail. He mm-hmm. is a warrior. But there were a couple times that Trevor was pressured uh, immensely because Sheriff got beat. And yeah. so I'm going to say Sheriff and going up against some of those talented uh, Chargers pass rushers. Yeah, you know, you know, it's a veteran guy when I think this was bef- this was last week before the Tennessee game. But Sheriff talked to media and he was talking. But they're like talking about, you know, kind of being banged up. He's like, well, it's week 18. Like everybody's banged up. And I'm like, OK, but you're a little extra banged up, I think. But the fact um, that he hasn't like missed that. a game. I know. Right? It's incredible. He, honestly. he missed what, like a snap or two yeah. that one game and that's it. Yeah, he missed the one snap against the Colts because his helmet had a crack in oh, it. Oh yeah, and so they had to put Cole Van Lannen in, and then unfortunately right. Trevor got sacked uh, yeah, deep right. in, the re- in their own After territory. That, Cole yeah. Van Lannen on his back. I thought that was a hilarious yeah. uh, nickname for him. Uh, we have the Jaguars injury report as of today, but I'm assuming the Chargers has not yet been released. Is that it correct? Has not, not that okay. we've seen. So we will push that to a little later in the show because we have to wait for those dang Californians <laughs> in their West Coast time. Uh, a couple, yeah, go ahead. By the way, I just do want to note, this is the first time that Brandon Scherf has appeared in all oh, yeah. the games in a regular season since his second year in the league. Yeah, and that's... 2016. It's really wild because a lot of the things when we rewind to all of these moves that were made in free agency and a lot of them like I was not biggest fans of and all of the reasons I wore I was not a big fan of at the time have like flipped this year like with him I was like he hasn't been healthy pretty much ever when he played this year he's been able to stay healthy like relatively healthy and been able to play pretty much the entire time Evan Ingram drops was like the big thing I was yep. like I don't know he led the league and drops the last you know the last season and was has been up there he just has that issue and this year it seems like he's really been able to control that there's been a couple here and there but nothing where you're like oh gosh Evan Ingram he's taken a massive leap um, and so Christian Kirk the big thing was like is he only a slot receiver can he only do one thing and he's really shown you that he can be all over the field if you need him in certain circumstances so it I put a lot of that on Doug like Doug's been able to coach these guys up to higher standards keep them healthy whatever whatever he's doing in those um, maybe it was you know those days off in June that helped these guys stay healthy I don't know um, but it's really cool to see that a lot of the things that were the negatives the, that flipped completely has that script has completely flipped this season. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, a lot of people looked at the weapons that they added and thought, ah, oh, they overpaid Christian Kirk, mm-hmm. Zay Jones. We've never really seen a great season out of him. Uh, Evan Ingram, right? The, all the drops, and it now does feel like they have this amazing chemistry, and I think that it's going to continue. That's mm-hmm. the that's the best part. We're a year ahead of where we all yeah. thought we would be at this point in time. And to be able to enjoy the success right now is just, it's just so refreshing. It is. That is what I have to say. I told the guys, we've been doing this show since August of 2014. One winning season yeah. before this year. Yeah. One in all those years. And so uh, we deserve it. We have a couple of special guests coming up at 7 o'clock to talk about the Florida Forum and their final guest of their uh, speaker series. Kendra McCrary and Sharon Pentaleri will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. But before that, we will get it to a very boring national championship game. <laughs> but we have a special spin on that. Stay tuned. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyra Outlet on 10 to next on 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL.
Me, O'Brien, Taylor Dahl, J.J. LaSelva, and Lauren Brooks. Hope everybody is enjoying their Victory Tuesday. We've had Victory Sunday. Well, obviously late Saturday night. But Victory Sunday, Victory Monday, and Victory Tuesday. And it feels so good. We'll continue the Jaguars talk coming up. Last night's national championship game. Did y'all listen to the Kirby Smart pregame? I did not. No. Yes. We played it on XL Primetime. Needless to say. You played it with, did you have to have a lot of beeps in there? <laughs> no, our boy JJ came through with all the beeps. Wow. Well done, JJ, because that would have been probably, what, like 30 beeps? <laughs> oh, my God, at least. At least, yeah. He, Taylor. You can play it if you want. We have it with the beeps. Oh, let's do it. All right. Yo ass is prepared for this for 365 days, I think about the in that locker room. Think about getting our opportunity. All the you went through this week to get ready for this game, now is when you pay the price. You go out there with energy, enthusiasm. Hey, now, ain't nobody in this room should be cautious. Ain't nobody in this room should be nervous about Go out here and their ass up. Don't think about scoreboard. Don't think about You think about knocking the out of them. Did you hear what Box said on Monday? When I sat in that meeting, I wanted to go play right then. Do your Sixty-five points. <laughs> that's what. They that's why. Yeah. That's why people said. That's why they scored sixty-five points. Kirby, Kirby. Smart comes is off. Is that as, normal? It's got to be for him. It, yeah. It's got to be normal for him. He comes off as though not. I know the nice guy who's gonna. You know. Does he? I to me. He does. Oh my god! Like as far I as always we, have that. Like I, I. I know that he's that guy. You could just tell that he's that really? guy. Which, yeah. Yeah. See, I've always no. thought of him as the guy who goes into the living room and and sips the sweet tea and tells Mama how yeah. good her sweet tea oh, is. Oh, I'm sure and, he does that. Yeah. yeah. He, he plays the game. That, yeah. That's right. on Sundays. He I, obviously plays the game very well. He's just a southern gentleman, but when it's time for ball, he's it's time uh, for ball. yeah, he's a he's football coach guy. Campo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I have not heard Coach Campo cuss, uh, so oh, I think I we've heard some stories. You have? Oh yeah. Point. Oh, he. I thought he told me at the party that he doesn't cuss. <laughs> not yeah, a, not anymore. Not <laughs> okay, yeah. There we go. Kay may have asked him to yeah, stop cussing. Maybe that's changed. But I have to say, Georgia scares the living heck out of yeah. me. Not just as a Florida fan. Obviously, that's first and foremost. I hate Georgia with every bone in my body. I was raised to hate Georgia and all that fun stuff. I've always hated them. It's not just that. What scares me about Georgia is I'm not sure any other team, maybe Alabama, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure any other team in the country can keep up with them. And some people would say, well, Ohio State went toe-to-toe, and literally a toe is the reason that Ohio State lost that game as far as the kicker missing. Yes, okay, this season they had a really good quarterback, the Buckeyes did, and C.J. Stroud. But we've seen other years where they kind of fall off. They look, they almost didn't even make the college football playoff because they got smoke-checked by Michigan. So. I'm really starting to think like we have a serious problem on our hands if you want anyone other than Georgia to win the national championship. Weren't we saying that about Alabama not too long ago? We absolutely were. The reason I'm more nervous is Nick Saban is at least nearing 70 and I think eventually the end of his career. Kirby Smart is 46 or 47 years old. He's mm-hmm. only a few years older than me. Right. Not that he looks only so a few years older than We have a lot longer of that. But that's potentially a thing. that's a thing, though. I mean, who's to say? Like, where is he going? Nowhere. What happens to Alabama after Nick Saban retires? That is an excellent question. Is is this just the natural progression of dynasties? One one rises as another falls. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 
I think Alabama will get the next best possible coach. And look, let's say everyone always said Dabo Sweeney's not going anywhere at Clemson. Well, things haven't been going as well at Clemson, yeah. and you can dang sure recruit better at Alabama than at anywhere else right now other than Georgia. And so Alabama, if he wants to go there, he may then be able to resurrect, not resurrect, Alabama's still really good, but he may be able to to keep his career going as far as national championship wins and trophies because I'm not sure that Dabo's going to win another one at Clemson. But, but as far as Georgia's concerned, they have won the last two years with a quarterback who – is unconventional as far as what we've expected or come to expect in the college football realm. And now they're going to have the prototypical quarterback mm-hmm. starting and the five stars. And it's it look, the story about Setson Bennett is a great story. The fact that he was able to to do as much as he did for his university is is wonderful. All that stuff. But now they're gonna have five star after five star come yeah. in there. And I'm just not sure that if you like parody in college football, we're gonna see it anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's I hate that. It's frustrating to me because I and I know everybody all we've heard all day, which rightfully so because people were bored by that game. It yeah. was awful and I heard JJ the J the clip that JJ played earlier on primetime with that guy who was just going absolutely ape beep over <laughs> <laughs> over uh the way the score was going, the way the game was going. I just, I've always just been kind of like Whatever. I don't really care. Win your games and you would be there. You lost two games. You don't get to be in the top four. That's just how it is. But obviously, the playoff expansion is going to change a lot of things. And it's interesting. It's going to be really interesting to me to see how that goes. Like, how much are the are the bad teams we did out earlier? Are we going to have a kind of March Madness where there's some upsets and then we end up still having a kind of crappy national championship game? Or is it going to be weeded out early? It's going to be really interesting to me to see how that goes. But it is frustrating to me to have just one or two, maybe three teams that you feel like can compete every year at a high level. And, I mean, maybe maybe with NIL money and other things, it will start to adjust a little bit, but you don't see that anytime soon. Well, the worst part about last night's game, Mia, is if TCU had at least been competitive, we'd be having a totally different conversation Mm -hmm. that you can get to the national championship and you can beat a program like Michigan with Harbaugh as the coach without having the the majority of four and five stars on your roster, you just have to have a great coach and a quarterback who knows how to play the game. That's the conversation that we would have been talking about today, that, wow, look at all these other teams and how they can get there potentially. But now it's, nope, You if you don't have the four and five stars predominantly, you're not going to get anywhere near the likes of the elite teams. Yeah, and as a proponent of playoff expansion, yeah, not did not help my case and everybody else that is intrigued by an expanded playoff because we love the NCAA tournament so much because we see other sports utilize the NCAA tournament with larger fields, mm-hmm. and it has seen lots of success both commercially, financially, on the field as well. Um, the storylines, yeah, it, it's disappointing. But what I want to get to is – Nick Saban on the desk at the, for the pre-post and halftime of this game. Like, how awkward is that? As we're talking about the rise and falls of empires, <laughs> and is Kirby the next Nick Saban? Meanwhile, Nick You're has saying awkward. Nick <laughs> literally has to face the music as they're discussing it. Yeah. They're literally he's at his own funeral. Well, I think if you're Nick Saban, the good part is that can add kind of fuel to your fire. Yeah. And as far as you can show that to your team mm-hmm. in the offseason and go, look, 
They think I'm riding off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Hell no. We are. I just signed the most five stars with seven five stars with this recruiting class. We are absolutely winning it next yeah. year. I should have won it with Bryce Young and didn't and, and all that stuff. And I don't think that this is Alabama's done and Georgia's now going to win the next 10 years. I don't necessarily think it's going to go like that. I just am concerned that it's those two teams and I'm not sure where the and other major contenders drop are going to be. Behind. But then yeah. if I take a step back, it's like, all right, well, USC is starting to get really good mm-hmm. with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Notre Dame with Sam Hartman is going to be certainly intriguing. LSU with Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels returning, also very intriguing, and they can recruit like crazy. So there are the other teams that can come up. It's just can they sustain the type of success that those two teams are doing right now? No, it's going to be a flash in the pan. But what's the difference between the flash in the pan that was TCU this past year with so many transfers in Sonny Dyke's first year and the flash in the pan that was the 2019 LSU team where they had that one great run because they had all the pieces and then so many of them went off to the National Football League and then the COVID season hit and now uh, Brian Kelly is left with the rubble of what LSU was and he's kind of turned lemons into lemonade. But that was a one-year run. Mm -hmm. That was not a sustained product. And while, yes, LSU is certainly a household name, that LSU group that was so dominant and so many people regard as one of the best college football programs of all time, they were a one-and-done when you think about it. Oh, they certainly were. And, and, And I saw one tweet, I don't know if it was like a joke, Y'all may have seen this too last night, but or I think I saw it today. The 2019 LSU team would have been six and a half point favorites over last night's Georgia team because so many people were saying, is this the greatest college football team we've ever yeah. seen? No, just because <laughs> they destroyed TCU 65 to 7 does not mean that's the greatest team that ever lived. I, I still think that LSU 2019 team was incredible. And, and JJ, I'm sure some of your Miami teams you would also put up there. 2001. Right. The 2001 Miami team. Right. There's so. folks who would argue last year's Georgia team or even the Georgia team yeah. that lost to Alabama in 2017 could have beaten this year's squad. Yeah. It's funny because Ohio State of this year right. almost beat this yeah. year's Georgia squad. Exactly. I, I think Georgia is so talented. I do. They've got, they've got, the best tight end in all of the country, and they've got other good tight ends also, mm-hmm. not just him. And then last night when we were watching towards the end of the game, they've got a cat named, is it Bryson Robinson? I looked it up earlier. Brinson, I think, Robinson, and they call yeah. him Baby Chubb. Oh. And he's going to be incredible. And so it's like they just keep reloading. Pumping and, them out, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, man, here we go. But it is crazy to think of all the talent Georgia has had over the last 10 to 15 years and this is last year was the first time they won it, certainly this year. And then I've seen stories from people like Bruce Feldman who tweeted out that Georgia most likely will three-peat and, mm-hmm. and all the reasons why. I will be surprised if we're here in a year and we're saying Georgia's three-peated because I don't – has that ever happened before? That's what I was about to say. You're saying that just because, like, the chances of that happening Yeah, are I don't know slim. if that's ever happened before. If it has, then it's been certainly a very long time. Yeah. Nope, it's I, I don't know. I don't have it right in front of me. I will figure it out. Uh, has googling? Yeah, I'm googling as we speak. <laughs> I think uh, Minnesota, the Minnesota Gophers in 1934, 35, and 36 might be the answer, and maybe Army in the 40s. No but... team since the A people. Okay, so yeah, there you go. I didn't think so because I feel like that's something that we would remember and, mm-hmm. and certainly discuss. Uh, Mia, when it comes to Florida State, that's a team that I think is certainly. Not only are they going to start top five or top six in the AP poll, but that's a team that I think can start to threaten for college football playoff next season. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, Knowles fans texting in on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures during XL Primetime today because 
They're obviously running it back. Jordan Travis is coming back, which a little bit of a surprise. Jared mm. Verse, who was a projected top 20 pick, is coming back. Johnny Wilson, who was thought to be a day one or day two pick, depending how he tested, is also coming back. So I yeah. was shocked by those two, yeah. Verse yeah. and Johnny Wilson. Yeah, when Verse announced on Saturday, like I almost dropped my phone. I was like, there's no way. I don't know what NIL money y'all got out there in Tallahassee yeah. or if truly he just wanted to come They're back to school. They're looking at a run next year. Right. I mean, listen, if they truly believe they could win a national championship, it's a it's a gamble to mm-hmm. be sure because he already suffered a couple of injuries during his first season in Tallahassee this mm-hmm. year. So it's certainly a gamble. Um, but th- they seem confident. The, the big thing I think with Florida State national championship. Well, let's push that to the side because first of all, you can barely guarantee a playoff appearance. But what I think is in working in Florida State's favor is close your ears, JJ. <laughs> what else does the ACC present? Yeah. Because. Clemson ran off DJ Uyagale. Mm-hmm. So you got Cade Klubnik. Uyungalale. I still can't pronounce it. It's been four <laughs> years. Uyungalale. They chased him off. You got Cade Klubnik, who I really wasn't that impressed by mm-hmm. in the four or five games that he played this year. You got Miami, who certainly is getting it together on the recruiting trail, but will they be ready next year? I'm not so sure. Who's your quarterback going to be at Miami? Tyler Van Dykes. Again. Is the terrorist still the offensive coordinator? Unfortunately, oh, yes. That's unfortunate. Miami is not going to the playoffs next year. Uh, yes. So, Neither's my team. So I can guarantee so, that. But like let let's go down the line. I mean, Wake Forest is losing Sam Hartman. NC State lost Leary. Like, who is there? Like, who is there in the ACC that poses a threat if this Florida State team truly lives up to all the expectations that they've set for themselves and statistically on paper who they're bringing back? So mm-hmm. In that regards, if they played in the SEC or the Big Ten, I would not bank on that gamble. But playing in the ACC, when you look at the rest of the field, yeah. I get it. It's still a risk, They though. still lost to Wake. I mean, they lost to NC State. They did lose to one of the worst Clemson teams of the last 10 years this year. So, and like, they start yeah, with I get LSU. that, but... Even that, that Oklahoma... That Oklahoma game, even, I was like, They look like ass. Yeah, Yeah. they look like ass against Florida. They're (laughs) obviously the best team in the state by far, but they're not even close to a playoff-type team. You mean Florida just looked so good. (laughs) Florida (laughs) was, like, in that game? Florida absolutely was in that game. Look, yeah, the FSU of 2022 was a 10-win program. Mm -hmm. They got, like you said, pretty lucky in that bowl game. But overall, a 10-win program, pretty good. But that's not where Florida State wants to be. That's You know, that's... Good, but not elite. And mm-hmm. so Florida State, though, with all that talent returning and with Jordan Travis, it does feel like with other teams having to start either freshman quarterbacks or new quarterbacks, that they are certainly going to be. Start. Yeah, yeah, they're certainly going to be amongst uh, some of the better teams this season, especially if they do beat LSU in that week one game. Yeah, then we'll talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But they, they look for all that. We can say negative about FSU. They beat LSU to start this season, mm-hmm. and so and we at first thought, and they're going to well, start LSU's the season good again against LSU in Orlando this time. Yeah, so it'll be curious because they'll have played back to back games at Camping World between the Cheez It Bowl and then LSU yeah. in the opener. Uh, I know from friends who were at that game, it was a very uh, volatile environment at the Superdome with all the LSU fans oh, yeah. who I would assume are going to travel as well because expectations will be sky high in Baton Rouge as well. Mm-hmm. So it'll be curious to see, you know, if they truly have a home field advantage on a neutral site. By the way, Mia, I don't know if you'll see Kaylee Hartung Saturday night. She's doing sidelines mm-hmm. for the game on NBC. 
She was at the national championship last night. She went to LSU, correct? And is a big I think LSU so, fan. Yeah. Yet she said, go dogs in a video I saw last night. Rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> so if you by chance see her, you can, okay. you can Tell ask her. I was why, actually, okay. I was actually really sad. I didn't get to meet Miss Lisa this weekend. I was really sad about that because I love Lisa Salter. She's yeah. like a hero of mine. So hopefully I get to meet Kaylee Hartsong and I get to meet her at Thursday Night Football because she was trying to avoid all the inclement weather that we had. Understandable. So, we'll see. Hard to look great on TV when you're sobbing wet. All right, when we come back, we've got some special guests joining us in studio to talk all about the women's board and Florida Forum. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tara Allen on 10 to next L92.5 FM. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Welcome back to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Mia O'Brien, Taylor Dahl, JJ Selva here, making it all happen. I'm Lauren Brooks, and we are joined now by two special guests, Kendra McCrary and Sharon. I'm going to get it right. Pentaleri. That's right. All right. Mm-hmm. I Good love evening. when that happens. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having us. Absolutely. So we're going to get into all things Florida Forum and the Women's Board. Kendra, I'll start with you. Okay. How did you get involved, and why does all of this matter so much to you? Well, I am very fortunate to be the mother of two um, now adults. Um, They're in their 20s. But when we moved here, my daughter, who was born at Baptist, ended up seven days later spiking a fever and going in through the ER at Wolfson. And um, we spent about 10 days there. And we were so blessed to have a hospital that had pediatric specialists. And truthfully, for us, we would have had to move. Um, we would have moved back to Atlanta because we would have needed a pediatric hospital to treat her. She's well and good now. And, you know, we're very thankful. And I said, gosh, I got to make sure that's available for everybody else in the community. And so I was lucky enough to join the women's board and start volunteering. And now you're the president. I am now the president. So 25 years later. Wow, that's special. Yeah. One of the things that actually when Robin was with us previously, she was talking about the women's board and the hospital and all they do with the Wolfson Children's Hospital. And she said they were building a new building. Is that complete? That is that is, still in the process? It, it is open now. We're actually coming up on almost the one year anniversary. That is our That has been our funding target. For the last five years, we've been working to raise $4 million to complete the new NICU units. And they opened last year, and there are 75 new units. It's a wow. huge increase. But the really special part is we put rooms in there so that the families can stay with the infants. So there's a sleeping quarters for the parents, bathrooms, separate space, um, which has been proven to really help improve the care for the children, which is what we care about. Yeah. So. Now, Sharon, of course, the Women's Board does a ton with the Florida Forum. So can you kind of explain that connection and then for you being the co-chair of the 2022-2023 Florida Forum? Yes. So the um, Women's Board, we put on two major events every year. One is the Art and Antique Show. Oh, was the Art and Antique Show. Uh, this year we changed to the Winter Design Show, and that happened in December. And the other um, events are is the Florida Forum Speaker Series. And this year, Beverly, Brooke, and I are the co-chairs of that event. And we selected three speakers. Uh, Bill Browder came in the fall and started us off and um, gave us a, an overview of the world and Ukraine and Russia and was fascinating. And then we had Jenna Bush in November, and she was delightful and um just wonderful to have. And now we're getting ready for Allison Felix on January 18th. And we are super excited for Allison. She is an 
uh, 11-time Olympic medal winner. She is now the most decorated um, track and field athlete, and male or female. She has 20 world championships, and she's a role model for girls and boys and just people. uh, She's just a wonderful, a wonderful person. Um, So we're excited to have Allison on our stage. It's crazy. Five Olympics that she competed in between 2004 and Athens, and then the most recent Olympics, the 2020-2021 over in Japan. And so, um, you know, what for you guys, how did you come to find Allison, and why was she of interest to bring into the Florida Forum? Um, she, I'm a runner. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, when we were looking for speakers, she really kind of spoke to me from a lot of levels. Uh, she is a team player like no other team player. She actually retired this year. She was eating her first cheat meal, you know, mm-hmm. chicken wings, and she's sitting at the restaurant eating her chicken wings. And she got a call from the U.S. coach to say, one of our girls is down, and we need you to come to Oregon and help us get to the finals oh for the goodness. world championships. But the chicken She's like, I'm eating chicken <laughs> She flew up. She ran the, the leg of the relay that they needed, got them to the finals, and then the other girl was able to come back. And without her, they wouldn't have made it to wow. the finals. So um, she's a team player, which I love. She um, also is just – Again, for women, she's an advocate for women. She, when she was pregnant with her daughter, she was in contract negotiations with Nike, and Nike wanted to pay her less, and because they said she would just not come back after having a baby, and she decided to just not um, deal with Nike, and she went to Athleta, and she was Athleta's first um, athlete sponsor. And she came back and won three more world championships and a gold medal at the Olympics. Wow. So Nike has changed their policy um, since then. And I, I bet her, they did. I bet they did. a lot of credit it. for that. <laughs> well, and she runs her own business now, too, as and well. She, so, yeah, I mean, she actually wore her own shoes that, um, that she uh, designed, designed and, and um, her business. And she wore those for the Olympic trials. Wow. So... That's amazing. Kendra, now that the NICU has opened mm-hmm. and the $4 million has been raised, are there new fundraising goals for the women's board? Absolutely. We, we shift. Um, our next one is to work on needs within the trauma center, specifically around updating the NICU ambulance. People don't realize, but um, Wolfson serves a huge geographical area. We actually go as far west as Alabama on the other side of Tallahassee. We go up towards Savannah. We go down past Daytona. And so we often have to transport NICU, I mean, um, neonatal um, and infants. And so we have a couple of ambulances that actually allow them to transport two in the in the proper incubators because twins are often uh, the ones that need it as well. So Makes sense. That's, mm-hmm. and, and people forget that it's not just the equipment. There's a whole team of specialists that have to travel. So we work on making sure that the funding is there not only for the equipment but for the team that has to support it. That makes sense mm-hmm. for sure. Like, especially, like you said, twins. A lot of times, as we know, they're born prematurely. Multiples in general, Smaller. not just twins, yeah. right? Yeah. Smaller, and then they may have some of those development issues. All right. So, are there still tickets available for Alice and Felix, Sharon? 
There are tickets available. Yes, they're selling fast. So they're available on Ticketmaster or they're available by um, going online to thefloridaforum.com. And that's Wednesday, January 18th. So Next Wednesday. one week yeah. from tomorrow at 7 o'clock over at, you said Florida Theater, correct? No, no, no it's, it's, at, a, it's, at, it's the Times Union Times Center. Times Union yep. Center, yep. now Jacksonville arts. Center for Performing Arts. Love it, love it. Well, we'll leave you ladies with this. Um, you know, for you guys, you've both been involved with this organization for, I would think, a couple of years now, now that you guys are in leadership roles. What has it meant to be involved with both the Women's Board and then the Florida Forum? Whoever wants to go first. I mean, it's, well, a, it's, a, it's a true gift in my life because – you know, it improves everything for everybody in our community. There are better pediatricians. There are better doctors for the adults. It, it attracts just such a, it makes our community such a healthier place. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the win. Mm-hmm. And the Florida Forum certainly is, is providing those important funds in the speaker series certainly has been a huge thing. Does your daughter, by the way, want to get involved uh, both of my daughters actually volunteered at the Winter Design Show this year. So awesome. one actually drove in from Atlanta to participate. So that's so great. It's you know they they realize the gift that the hospital has been to our family, and so you know it's hard to beat that. Sure. And so you said it used to be the Art and Antique Show, but now it's Winter Design. What changed for that December event? Well, we've really been working. You know, I think everything has. To, we're, we just finished our our fiftieth year, thirty years of the Florida Forum, and. Everything needs refreshed, mm-hmm. and design has become such a critical part of particularly the millennial population and what they're looking mm-hmm. at. They ha- they all have aesthetics, and so when you were talking about antiques, that didn't speak, but when you start talking about design and how antiques and art fit into aesthetics, it, it's a better fit. And so we're really moving in that direction, and we were blessed to have a large number of designers support us at this year's show, and now we're getting ready for next year, so... It's always, there's always something going. And of course, great. Uh, coming post-COVID, I know is huge for you guys, because I know that was a trying oh. time for you guys to really get a lot of events off the ground. It's hard when your fundraising is centered on events mm-hmm. and events are <laughs> shut down <laughs> and you're with the hospital that has very strict rules. Yes. So, because they're in the best interest of our patients and community. But thank you guys so much for letting us be here. Absolutely. Thank yes. you. And again, for people who want tickets to go see Allison Felix next Wednesday, thefloridaforum.com, or they are available on Ticketmaster, Times Union Center, or Jacksonville Center for the Performing Arts. Kendra, Sharon, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank We've you. got more to do on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tartlett on 10 to XL, 92.5 FM. These heels are made for talking. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. Thanks again to Kendra McCrary and Sharon Pentaleri for joining us. And again, if you want tickets to go see Allison Felix next Wednesday, visit thefloridaforum.com. They do such great things. And, and like Kendra said, our community is healthier and a better place because mm-hmm. of Wolfson Children's Hospital and all that the Women's Board does. And, uh, and certainly... It'll be a very fun night, especially for all of you runners out there. All right, let's do a quick season in review since the regular season is over for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mia O'Brien, who was the best free agent pickup from this past offseason? Well, apparently uh, our fellow compatriot Kay Adams now of um, what she's doing, FanDuel TV. I do feel like she's kind of disappeared. I feel bad. Yeah, she's kind of disappeared. She kind of bet on herself, but I I give her credit because she's hustling on the the Twitter sphere, getting all Mm -hmm. the videos and stuff up. And of course, Matt Hamilton, who's a great Jags fan and used to be the producer of Good Morning Football, went with her over there. Uh, She apparently went on a tirade this afternoon on her show about how Christian Kirk was worth the money. Um, And she was like, the fact that he had 99 yards this past weekend and no one is talking about it Mm -hmm. on six catches. She was like, what does that say about 
how effective and how we've been normalized to this guy as a productive wide receiver. He goes over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career. Hot seat, a career high in touchdowns as well, and they're still – he could have had over 99 yards had right. the one ball not been a little Correct. bit underthrown to him. Right, exactly. And so, um, I mean, that's the logical one. Um, so so I would say Christian Kirk, who was worth the money, I think just because of all the drama mm-hmm. that surrounded him. But you know what? I, I'll give it up for the masterclass, man, the bulky masterclass, because when you look not only at this free agent class from this past off season, but you look at that one from one year ago, which I know some of them didn't work out, Um see Shaq Griffin, um, which I don't know if anybody had that on their bingo card a year ago, but mm-hmm. here we are. Um, but you look Definitely at, not. You look at how guys like Rayshon Jenkins and Roy Robertson-Harris have continued to develop under this system, and you say, wow, that, that, that's you know a couple of guys. And then you look at some of the value signings, whether that's Arden Key or yeah. claiming Jamichael Hasty off waivers. And there's a lot of different pieces that may not have made sense in the moment, but they're panning out right now. But, of course, the Christian Kirk deal, I think you have to go with just because of the sheer number that was attached to it and the criticism that came along with it. I think that one was huge, and especially because we talked all last season about how Trevor Lawrence doesn't have weapons. He has Mm -hmm. no receivers getting separation, no real tight ends other than maybe Dan Arnold before he got hurt. And so now in steps Christian Kirk and wow. But it hasn't just been Kirk. Obviously, it's been Evan Ingram and Zay Jones as well. But I almost have to go Foye Luakon because he has been the quarterback of the defense, so to speak, right? Like yeah. the, the vocal leader, obviously, he's the one getting the play calls. He's wearing the green dot. And he led the league in tackles two years in a row. And that's next. He, the guys next to him at in, that inside linebacker position are both rookies in Devin yeah. Lloyd and Chad Muma. And he's still leading the league in tackles and lining people up. And he is just all business. He is so not entitled. He is just a great human being, great football player. Yeah. And I don't know that – the defense beats the Titans this past Saturday night without Foye Luakon or matter of fact, wins against the Cowboys, wins against the Ravens and those big other big games that we've seen. And just imagine, and this was with all due respect to the two rookie linebackers that line up next to him. Mm -hmm. Imagine if he didn't have to babysit for half the season. That's what I that's hold the hand of Devin Lloyd why and Chad I point out, yeah, that those guys are rookies next to him. Yeah. That's huge. And I think that Foyer is another one. In the offseason, that was one of the moves I did like because it was he kind of went under the radar last year. Like I think I don't think a lot of people realized how how good Foyer actually is and how he did lead the league with tackles because it wasn't a, a name that like popped out to a lot of people. But we were talking about it. Was it. The Falcons. We, yeah, it yeah. was the Falcons. And we were talking about it here of, wow, this guy has a lot of potential. And he's full on played into all of that potential this season. And there's a lot of games where you can point to Foyer as being the guy that made that game. Um, but I think there's the good thing is, is when we're looking at this list of free agents, there's a lot of ways you could go. Um, because I could even go Brandon Sheriff way and say that there were six games this season where the that offensive line didn't allow a sack. And I know that plays into a lot of parts of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But that veteran, having a veteran guy on the offensive line, having a veteran guard who can kind of just like pull it all together, tie it all together. I think you saw the big shift. You saw the improvement in the offensive line. And even and then now when he's a little banged up, you're seeing how it hurts a little bit. But I, I love that. I, I think that it's it's big. It's important. You always want to talk about your, you talk about your offensive line and you talk about other teams like the Bears who do not have an offensive line and how much it affects the quarterback. So having Trevor being able to be a high, be behind a line that he trusts and he knows that he can go into a game. And I mentioned six without a sack, but the last 
five weeks, I think there was only one single sack in all of those. So you have to give it up to the offensive line as a whole, but I think Brandon Sheriff was a big part of kind of tying all of that together. And I think part of it too, sorry to interrupt you, but I think part of it too with Sheriff is so much is asked of him in this zone blocking scheme that Mm -hmm. Phil Rauscher brought to Jacksonville that quite frankly, the remaining members of that offensive line who all were here a year ago Mm -hmm. aren't used to. They're not as used to getting out in space. There was a learning curve there. And so Scherf is asked to do a lot more than people realize, especially when he's lined up next to that rookie center in Luke Fortner. And so what's so funny to me is I've had so many people be like, well, he's not performing at an all-pro level. And it's like, well, he's got a guy who's trying to play for a contract and Juwan Mm -hmm. Taylor to the right of him. And then he's got a rookie center And then he had Ben Barch, who was truly a first-year starter before he went down. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more things at play there that Brandon Scherf is doing that people don't realize. And, you know, he's a hawk, so he just just shows up. He does his work, brings his lunch pail. He doesn't need the notoriety. JJ, what say you? Which was the best free agent acquisition? Uh, I would probably just say Kirk. Yeah. Uh, Consistent. Actually, I'll switch it up. Zay. Okay. Because he— We can't forget about Zay. Yeah. he To me, he'd been in the league for a long time, and I'm like— we know who he is. You yeah. know, he's not worth this money. Like, Kirk, uh, you know, was a lot better than Zay Jones was at his last stop. So right. I, I knew that he would come here and sort of be all right. But I was very skeptical about Zay Jones, and he's shocked me. Yeah. He's been really, really good. And and like I said, they've all – they've kind of taken turns as to who has the big games. Right. Uh, and Zay and, Jones had that terrible game in Detroit. Right. But that was it. And, and yeah. I think he was hurt. Something like with his ribs. I don't even remember. I think uh, it, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he was hurt. It was a chest injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It helps when you add that unpredictability because when a team's coming in here, you don't know which one of those guys, and that's Zay, Christian Kirk, or Evan Ingram, who are going to go off in this day. And then you're adding in Jamal Agnew here and there, Marvin Jones here and there. And so they're at ETN, obviously. And so there's so many things that when a team's coming in now at this point, and that was they, all of these guys, I think, were question marks in a way before the season. And Zay Jones' thing was always like he's athletic and he has the ability. He's just never never been able to produce at that level for some reason, and they couldn't quite figure it out. But whatever happened here in Jacksonville was figured out, and I'm, uh, I'm guessing that's a lot of Doug and Trevor. <laughs> Yeah, Doug Peterson has been, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him as far as the type of person he is, the type of leader he is, the type of coach he is and play caller he is Mm -hmm. and motivator that he is. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's not enough time in the day to say positive things, not just because of who the coach was last year for at least portion of the season last year. It's not just that it's a 180 difference. Mm -hmm. It's just even if the Jaguars had a good coach last year, Doug Doug Peterson is still 10 times better than whoever – uh, but that would have been. And I was telling Mia, so I had, when they posted the post game of Doug talking uh-huh. to the locker room, uh, which I loved watching every second of that, but I had retweeted it and said, you know, Coach Doug Peterson, Coach of the Year. The amount of, I knew it would be a lot of Jacks fans on board with that, but the amount of Philly fans that I had in my comments saying, we should have never... We should have never let him leave. Yep. He should still be in Philly. The one that got away. Yeah, and to me, that is just like a telltale of like, this is the right guy. If your former team is ma- like, man, mm-hmm. we messed up on this, that's a real sign that like this guy is a good coach. We were actually talking about that at the stadium today as we were leaving the locker room, myself and a couple of the other reporters. Is there another head coach in the last few firing, hiring cycles that is no longer at his former stop? I guess you could say, you know, Sean Payton mm-hmm. stepping away from the Saints. If Sean McVay does step away, 
here in the upcoming weeks, although that is mostly because of the situation facing the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Rams from a cap space perspective and a rebuilding perspective. But I can't come up with another coach who is not at his previous stop where he won a championship yeah. solely based on egos, not mm-hmm. based on performance. Yeah. Because the performance was there. I mean, I understand that there was, are you going to go Jalen Hurts? Are you going to go Carson Wentz? But it was Doug Peterson that called for Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz in the first place. Yeah. And so that's why I don't believe that it was like that. It was just simply you couldn't have three big heads in one room. And I don't think Doug has that big of a head now having worked with him for almost a year. And so with all due respect to Howie Roseman, who's probably going to win executive of the year this year, if the Philadelphia Eagles do go to a Super Bowl, I'll take Doug every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I have twice on Saturday this week. Yay, there it is. <laughs> Which actually, here, guys, I'm going to give you this one. Uh, shout out to my guy, uh, Jordan Loperana, uh, Iowa Hawkeye, of course, but former BTN, Big Ten Network and ESPN producer extraordinaire. He just texted me and he goes, I need you to look something up for me. Has Trevor Lawrence ever lost on a Saturday between his time at Clemson and his time in, the, in high school and now also in the NFL? I would guess the answer is yes. I'm very Clemson curious. didn't go undefeated in the regular season every year he was there. Well, so they only lost. So the one game they lost in the regular season was to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. He did not play in that game, technically. That yeah, was a Saturday DJ, during DJ the COVID played. year. DJ yeah. played. And then the national championship when they lost to LSU, he didn't play. I guess what day of the week was the semifinal loss to Ohio State? I don't know what day of the week that would have been. I'm assuming um, high school, it mostly he would have had Friday games. Fridays, yeah. So we're going to have to look this one up because I do think it is a very fascinating question. And I actually asked Trevor today if he likes the Saturday games. And I asked Christian Kirk as well since he played in the SEC at Texas A&M. And they both said they love it, uh, similar to myself, and I know plenty of other folks in the media biz here in Jacksonville. Uh, they love the fact that on Sunday they can have a late start to the day, you know, start watching tape, you know, have a little bit of sleeping in, rest, yeah. watch the other games, nice. as Trevor said. It was very nice of the, for them to get to watch the other games and not have to worry about anything in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I do think there's something to be said for these guys that they're used to Saturday Night Lights, and this is a nice transition to, hey, you're going to have four to five primetime games next year, mm-hmm. too. Okay, oh, yeah. Clemson lost to Ohio State on a Friday. So I'm not sure that he has ever lost on a Saturday, yeah. which is – I almost don't even want to say that out loud. Like, yeah. Let's talk about That's this another time uh, <laughs> when we're we'll not workshop it. being very, very superstitious around here. Uh, as far as the best rookie on this team, I think the answer is Luke Fortner based off of the full season. I think Trayvon Walker is, is very disruptive and has had great moments, but Fortner has, quote, or knock on wood, not missed a snap, and mm-hmm. all of his snaps, speaking of snapping the ball, uh, are excellent. So, yeah. I mean, I can't. Think of a better rookie than Luke Fortner. Yeah, I think especially at the spot where you got Fortner, and I think you are going to grade Devin Lloyd and Trayvon a little harder because of where you got them. Um, and I think they are still you're still expecting them to be guys. They yes. are going to be be big pieces of this defense. And obviously, we're talking about a defense who just had a phenomenal phenomenal performance last weekend. So, but I, I agree. I feel like that's the one that you kind of have to stick with um, at this moment because of number one. If, if you're playing, you're you're making plays, you know, and that's with Luke. And I think that's one of the ones. Was that who Lagerman was not sure about when we had him on? 
Because there was someone where he was just like, uh, the one pick I'm not crazy about. And I feel like it might have been Fortner. That's a good question. I don't remember that. Not saying he didn't like him. He was just like, ah, it's not my favorite pick. This is the one that I I have some questions about. So it'd be, I'm sure he's talked about him a ton now on Jaguars Today. But so it's interesting because that's one that I, I think that, I think that was who he mentioned. Okay. Well, he's certainly been so important for that offensive line. The connection he and Trevor have has been really good. And you went from, you know, Trevor working with a veteran at that position and Brandon Linder, who was at the game this past Saturday night. Uh, At first, me, I wasn't sure from the press box. I wasn't sure who it was that was uh, hugging Baselli. I saw Pazlesny. And then there was another guy, like, in all black. And I was like, I'm not sure who that is hugging Baselli. And then I found out through social media it was Linder. It's just because his body looks so different yeah. now. Uh, Linder like, looks good. I was like, does. oh, hey. <laughs> oh, Joe he's Thomas made. effect. He's married. I know. Taylor, I'm I know. just kidding. He's been out in the woods. He's been hunting. He's been fishing, fishing yeah. loving every day. Um, yeah, no. It's a Luke Bryan reference, everybody. <laughs> yeah, he looks he looks healthy. Um, it wasn't like, you know, I saw some people that were worried about even Paz and how he looked. And I'm no, like, no, welcome to what happens great. when yeah. you're not yeah. eating and having to eat to gain weight every right. five seconds. Yeah. Which I'd love to do that one day, but I don't (laughs) think that's in the works for me. Uh, All right, quick Florida hoops update. Florida was able to beat Georgia over the weekend. At first, Florida was down by 13 points in the first half to Mike White's squad, uh, led by the Bulldogs, or he's leading the Bulldogs now, of course. Uh, It was was nerve-wracking in the first half, and honestly, at that point, I was like, we're just not good this year. And then all of a sudden, things started to Mm -hmm. change. Castleton played great. Wacy played great. And so now Florida is taking on... LSU as we speak, and it's on commercial. But the last I saw, they were off to a slow start. I ten know to that. eleven. Yeah, it was, eleven. Now 10. it's twenty-one to sixteen. LSU. Yeah, another slow start for Florida and SEC. Hey, play. sixteen points. That's not this that is, bad. Yeah, this is Fudge's return to LSU. In, that would be correct. Yep, Alex. So there's Fudge. a lot of returns these. <laughs> yes, <laughs> last couple games. There's a lot of uh, what's that word? Um, revenge games. Yes, it's revenge, but it's also like in Kentucky when they share. There's a word I'm thinking. Never mind. Uh, anyway, uh, Mia, as far as college hoops go, what has caught your attention lately? Uh, well, lately it's the fact that I didn't know that Xavier, the Xavier Musketeers had such an active fan base on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I apologize. I am much more in tune, and I should be more in tune evidently with Xavier, but I've been following UConn, who in my opinion is the number one team in the country, even if you know they've suffered a, you know now a loss or two. And so it's therefore – Purdue, that is number one in my AP Top 25 poll right now. By the way, incest um, was the word I was looking for. Oh, okay. Anyway, fun, continue. Fun. Anyways, I've <laughs> uh, been a, lo- a little bit more locked in on UConn and Providence. Uh, Providence mostly because a good buddy of mine is the assistant athletic director. Shout out Nick Rojas. And so, um, you know, been following their resurgence here in conference play. Uh, but evidently, Xavier is at the top of the board when it comes to the Big East. And so I didn't include them in my poll. And so they weren't uh, too happy with me online, much like the Miami fans a few weeks ago. Miami is taking us. Led by s- JJ. Yes. Uh, well, no. I haven't <laughs> seen one second of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Isaiah but you Wong. can still be mad on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, they were mad at me. I was like, man. That's how Gator basketball fans That's are. how you know you're a basketball school now, Canes fans. Uh, I mean, hey, listen, I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think what's so interesting right now about college basketball, once again, is just the parody of it. The fact that. We're seeing some non-traditional names at the top, and I think that that's good for the sport as a whole. Yes, you have your Kansases still in the top five. Yes, you have the you know Tennessee, who under Rick Barnes has had a reincarnation over the last few years. Uh, Arizona and UCLA, the Pac-12, 
is still strong. I think that it's a, one of the more consistent conferences. And I know people like to pretend the Pac-12 doesn't exist and they like to pretend the Big 12 only exists for basketball. Um, so, yeah, I think what's cool is there, there's a lot of parity right now. The one story that I will tell you uh, is, of course, we got to give some love to our guy, Keontae Johnson and Kansas mm-hmm. State, who, uh, I mean, have been shocking the world left and right, undefeated yep. last week, knocking off two top 25 teams in Big 12 play. And so... I mean, they definitely have my attention. Mizzou suffered its first loss. Oh, I'm very How big of, of a part has play. Keontae has been playing Huge. a big part? Huge. In oh, oh yeah. he's he's averaging double figures, Good w- for him. which is crazy. And again, I'm not a doctor, yeah. so I'm not going to speak to whether or not the University of Florida wanted to clear him or not. But couldn't be happier for the guy mm-hmm. that he is finding, you know, his footing again on the basketball court. Um, I also will give some love to uh, a little bit here locally uh, to Char- College of Charleston, who still remain in the top 20 in both RPI and the net rankings. Wow. They have one loss on the season. It's to UNC. That was at North Carolina. Wow. Um, and it r- really was a pretty competitive game throughout. And so, yeah, shout out to my, my Charleston folks. They at least defend me on Twitter as opposed to uh, <laughs> my new enemies. Uh, it's okay, Xavier. I will rank you this week. Take care of business against Creighton, though, tomorrow night because Creighton's been a disappointment of late. I was expecting big things. Preseason top 10 team. Uh, don't lay an egg tomorrow. Otherwise, you won't be in the Mobile Iron poll. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, by the way, now LSU leads 24-16. Uh, so certainly Florida has not scored a point in the last few minutes, but that's typical of Florida to go on droughts when it comes to men's basketball. All right, we've got one segment to go. Sunday was a very good day for Taylor Dahl. We'll tell you why and more. You listen to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet on 1010X on any 2.5 FM. A Tuesday night tradition in Duval. Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. On 1010XL. This weekend was a good weekend for Taylor Dahl. By the way, Florida has closed the gap in men's basketball. It is now 24-21 LSU, so a little 5-0 run there by the Gators. But, Taylor, let's get it to why the weekend was so good for you. Something tells me it was good because of the Bears and because of the Packers. Yeah, well, um, and the Jags. And the Jags, of course. (laughs) It was was a good weekend. Uh, Yeah, obviously a Jags win. Uh, the Bears, we wanted to lose, uh, but there was – we also need – the Bears needed Texans to also – they needed the Texans to win to be able to get that first overall pick, and a lot of people were kind of like, not happening. They're not – they know what they have at stake. Like, they could have the first overall pick, and I was like, Lovey already knows he's about to get fired or potentially getting fired, and Lovey doesn't care about that. Like, Lovey cares about winning football games, and that's who he is. Were you watching the Texans game? I was – no, because I was moving that okay. day, so I was definitely following along like I was checking my phone profusely like Like how (laughs) how the Jaguars were doing with the Jets game a couple years ago yes I was like okay check all right and it it was there was also a few other things we were looking at throughout the day one of them Jags fans won't love as much but we were also (laughs) hoping the Broncos won because if the Broncos won the Colts would move up to four and the Colts are one that Bears are potentially thinking may try it up because they need a quarterback. So there were certain things that we were keeping an eye on. Um, but so obviously Houston ends up winning. That's a W. Bears Houston lose. Houston went for two. That's I know. The best part. <laughs> I know. And they converted a fourth and twenty. A fourth With and Davis Mills, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as their quarterback. It was insane. And I think they said only like four times this year somebody converted uh, like. Fourth, over a fourth and fifteen or something, and it ended up being that with like no time on the clock. It, it was it was great. It was exciting, um, but and then obviously uh, the Bears 
didn't play Justin Fields, which I talked about last week. Like, I kind of wanted them to just for a little bit because he was 64 yards away from passing Lamar Jackson's rushing record. So I kind of wanted, like, put him in a quarter, let him get that because he can get that on one run. We've seen it already this season. And then pull him. Uh, but I'm glad they didn't because the Bears line has is even more injured than they were. We're They're on their 13th different offensive line formation this wow. season because of injuries. Um, so it, it just wasn't pretty. I felt bad for Nate Peterman. I texted Denny Thompson, and I was like, Nate's starting, but I'm kind of scared for his life because <laughs> I just <laughs> am not sure how this is going to And he got go. hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I haven't heard anything major, but he, I mean, he was – it wasn't pretty. I was like, poor kid. Um, well, as we span the National Football League, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Lauren. Mm-hmm. The fact that Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears, met with media this morning. Mm-hmm. And you tell me, Taylor, because Leon Searcy said earlier today that he believes it's just a smokescreen. But this notion that the Bears could potentially trade Justin Fields, keep the number one overall pick, yeah, and I then select it. Bryce yeah. Young. That's like just – that means nothing to me. I think a lot of people took some of the things Ryan pulled. They started the whole press conference saying, like, is Justin Fields your quarterback next year? He said, yes. Like, nothing else. Yes. And then they asked the next question of what would it take for you to draft a quarterback at one? And he said it, something would have to blow – absolutely blow me away for that to happen. So that's really But nobody wanted that, to post right. the, yes, Justin Fields right. is our quarterback. They only wanted to post the, well, if someone blows me away, then, like, maybe we'll take a quarterback. Um, I just don't see it happening. If it does, I I will lose my mind. But <laughs> he, he's, he's reiterated – Would most Bear fans be, Bears fans be – Matt. As furious as oh, you yeah. would be. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, Bears Twitter today has just been, like, lighting up with, okay. no, what are you thinking? Justin Fields is the guy. Uh, that We've been waiting for this moment to have resources to f- help Justin, and you finally have it, and you get rid of him. Makes no sense. Um, also, for, like, a, a smaller guy, like, Justin's big. He's fast. He's athletic. And, obviously, the one thing is, like, hey, he needs to work on his accuracy a little bit, but he's had no time to throw the ball, no wide receivers to throw the ball. If I need, if I listed the wide receivers that have been playing the last three weeks, people would honestly say who, and they would be fourth receivers on any other team. Nasimbo Webster, don't even know how to say his name, Daz Newsome, um, Equinemia St. Brown, and Dante Pettis have been the wide receivers for the Bears the last few weeks. Because and the only of reason injuries. anyone's ever heard of Equinemius is, A, he played at Notre Dame, but and his brother. brother. Yeah. <laughs> we have the wrong St. Brown. Yeah. But they also just signed him for a year contract but anyways so that that game was whatever we were hoping we were losing the Vikings we were at that point nothing mattered but the big moment was the Packers Lions and I was just all, all I've heard now the last four weeks was how Aaron Rodgers was don't let Aaron Rodgers get hot because if Aaron Rodgers gets hot like there, there's no turning back, blah, blah, blah. I was like, Aaron Rodgers has not been hot all season, so I don't know what people are talking about because his numbers have been terrible. He just got lucky that his defense have – they picked off Kirk Cousins three times. So, of course, you're probably going to win a, t- uh, a game when your defense is scoring points and mm-hmm. getting turnovers. But he only completed like 58% of his passes for 158 yards and a touchdown in that game. And then uh, – so this game for me was very – I was nervous because I was like, please do not let him slide into the playoffs because the one thing that does worry me is the year they did make the run to the Super Bowl, they were not the higher seed that year. And then other years they've been they the higher seed. Card, right? yeah, yeah, they ended up get, – they get knocked out on the years they've been like the high seed and then and opposite the year of the Super Bowl. So I was like, just please do not let that happen. And it looked rough in the beginning, but the Lions pulled it out. Thank you, Detroit. Thank you, Dan Campbell, because it <laughs> Did was you see just the graphic of him like eating, eating the knee. Rogers kneecap. <laughs> yeah. 
Dan Campbell yes. and the Lions are the new Jags with regards to 2019 and 2021, where the Jags knocked off the Colts. If oh, you yeah. remember in both those finales to knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Like that that same vibes because I oh, got the sure. vibe from the Lions as much as obviously scheduling wise, I'm not really sure I agree with the fact that the Lions had already been eliminated and they still had to go play the game. Like yeah. the, I mean, they were playing for pride. It's Dan Campbell, yeah. he's a prideful guy. You knew I hated they, that. I was hoping yeah. Seattle lost because I was like, if Seattle loses, it's Detroit's going in. out like yeah. on fire. So I was a little nervous, but then at the same time I was like, Dan Campbell's not going to lose this game. That is not Dan in Dan Campbell's DNA to lose a no. game like this. And I also think Jared Goff ha- wants to prove he's heard a lot of bad things said about himself the last couple seasons. And I was like, Jared Goff wants to say like, hey, this is my football team. Um, there was also a little bit of questions at certain points during the season, like do the Lions go get a quarterback this season if they're that bad? And Jared Goff kind of extended that talk to, hey, no, you don't need a quarterback right now. Um, but they do have a lot of weapons, so that helps. And it, it was so fun. I honestly, I was like, thank goodness that this happened this way. So it was just check mark, check mark, check mark for me uh, for the weekend of things that needed to happen. And it was an exciting weekend, so that's fun. When you have a lot of games going on that are – tight or close or you know somebody needs to win to get in and get out and it was crazy that watching Geno Smith now into the playoffs because preseason people were predicting they could be one of the worst teams in the league so do you think Aaron Rodgers plays next season not necessarily Packers wise but yeah, just yeah, somewhere does he play football next season I truly don't know I am so confused I feel like he's just messing with people at this point because there's been a lot of little things that have been said so after the game um, Jamal Williams, I think it was, came up and asked for his jersey. It was Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams. Yeah. And not Jamal Williams. Yeah. And so Jamison Williams was like, can I have your jersey? Yep. And Aaron Rodgers was like, no, I got to keep this one. So people were like, oh, why do you have to keep this jersey? Is it your last time in a Packers jersey? Or is it a, your last time in a football jersey? Right. Or are you just being an a-hole like you usually are? <laughs> um, and so then there's been other things. I've seen things from the press conference that I guess, and this is, a lot of just speculation of things that people have noticed, but one of the NFL, uh, the NFC North reporter, she covers all of the teams, but she was at the presser with Aaron Rodgers, and she said that all season he's been wearing black. He's worn like black beanies, black shirts to every single press conference and had all white on this week. And she's like, I don't know what it means, but he has to be trying to tell us something. And so now people are like, what, yep. what is everything? Like the waving the white flag. Yeah. But I'll tell you, a lot of my Packer fan friends were texting me and they're like, I bet you're happy, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, like we want him to retire at this point. Like it's Jordan love time. He's done. And I'm like, I, I don't care. Like, bye. Well, I so will. does he go <laughs> elsewhere, Lauren? That's yeah, the question. I, a lot of people are saying Tampa. Like, really? That's what they're like. Brady to San Fran and Rogers to Tampa is like things yeah. I've been seeing. I don't see Brady to San Fran just because at this point now Brock. I mean, they've got yeah they've got they've Trey got, Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy. Right, right yeah. exactly. Uh, but I could certainly see Brady going to Las Vegas. That yeah. to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, but as far as does Rogers play again? I think. I think he does, and here's why. Not because he thinks logically, but this is at least how I think. Uh, and so who knows? But you're, he's still at least able to play the game. He's mm-hmm. not injured and beat up. He yeah. may not be playing super well, but he's still able, physically able to play the game. We don't see many people in that position, the quarterback position, give up until they absolutely Can't. cannot yeah. play or the league kind of gives up on them. And hes I don't think he's the type of guy that would be willing to be a backup, so I don't yeah. ever see him doing that. But I think another team will take a risk on it. Like, could mm-hmm. he play for the Panthers, for instance? Like, yeah. they need a quarterback. That would be a bridge guy. To me, he also could be a guy that sails off into the Iowa sunset, and we <laughs> yeah. never hear from him again other than on Jeopardy. Bye.
Right. They've already filled that (laughs) seat. Because somebody asked me yesterday, they're like, do you think he plays? And I was like, is there still an opening on Jeopardy? No. And I went, well, then he's going to have to think about it. If the Jeopardy chair was still open, then I'd say, absolutely. He's He's going to go run for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Blossom took over the Jeopardy chair, right? Uh, Yes. But then Ken Jennings has been filling in, too. I think she does, like, the weekends or something. Yeah. I'm not really sure how they do it. I'm not a Jeopardy Um, I know we still have to hit the injury report real quick. We still don't have the Chargers. So let's do that. And then I do have some thoughts on the rest of the AFC South. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Protecting you and your family since 1979. Five players popping up on the Jaguars injury report after the first official practice of the week. Two did not practices. The first being Ross Matisic, which as we've reported on this station, um, he's fighting that lingering back injury. It's He's just going to have good days. He's going to have bad days. I can tell you this. He's going to do everything in his power to play on Saturday. He just played this past Saturday, so I'm not too worried about him. Riley Patterson, though, the kicker for your Jacksonville Jaguars, popped up on the injury report today with a knee injury. I don't like that. Yeah, that was fascinating to me. Um, I didn't see him in the locker room. Granted, I was with Trevor Lawrence in the press conference for the first, like, 20, 30 minutes of the locker room period. So perhaps he was in there and he got out quickly if he really didn't practice. So we'll keep you posted on what we hear on that. Speaking of 16, uh, first time in six or seven weeks that he was limited on the first practice of the week as opposed to a DMP. I don't like that either. With the toe injury. so uh, Superstitious over here. Right. If you're in the stitches game, uh, yeah, not 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 ideal on that front. Uh, Jamal Agnew also popped up on the injury report with a shoulder injury that he was limited in practice. I mean, he took such a beating on Saturday. I can't say I'm surprised, but I'm mm-hmm. sure, um, you know, I saw him in the locker room. He appeared healthy, so hopefully he will be good to go. And then Brandon Scherf uh, only listed with the abdomen injury, not the ankle injury. So hopefully at least the ankle is progressing. This has been the Farrah and Farrah injury update. Well done, Mia. By the way, this is the 33rd consecutive season. At least four teams qualified for the playoffs after failing to reach them the previous season. The Ravens, Jaguars, Chargers, Dolphins, Vikings, Giants, and Seahawks. Wow. Right? I mean, it's constant turnover. And and like we said, most of us did not predict the Jaguars would be here. All right, Mia, you have a quick thought about the AFC South before we get out of here? Yeah, just did you guys see all the stuff from Chris Ballard and uh, the end of the season press conference out in Indianapolis mm-hmm. today? I mean, you just look at the the landscape right now of the AFC South, and look, we, we know that this Jaguars team is still building. They're mm-hmm. not a finished product. I get that. Um, but we were just talking about the Houston Texans. Nick Casario set to hire his third head coach in three seasons. I heard from some folks in Houston that even if Houston had had the number one overall pick, don't be surprised if he picked C.J. Stroud, and this was pre-C.J. Stroud in the college football playoff semifinals, Mm -hmm. over Bryce Young. And I was shocked to hear that, but they said he's a guy who's built on measurables and certain weird metrics. So you got him. At least they got the preacher out of there, so we'll give him that. Then you got Nashville. We saw them right here in Duval County on Saturday night. And while, yes, it's Mike Vrabel, it's Derrick Henry, they got issues. Cap space, they're going to have to pay the piper when it comes to Jeff Simmons, some of their other young defenders, and you still got Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry on the books. What are you doing at the quarterback position? Clearly you gave up on Malik Willis. And then in in Indianapolis, the quote from uh, Chris Ballard, the GM, that he would move heaven and earth if there's a quarterback he wants to trade up to number one. Bring it on. Bring uh, it, it, on. Just, it, it just sounds like... Taylor's wheeling and dealing. Oh Jim Ursay is rubbing off on the guy. And uh, there's equally as many questions in Indianapolis. So if nothing else, at least it's uh, at least things are trending in the right direction in one city in the AFC South. 
I and it's this it. one. I all right. It. Well, I look forward to seeing all the Jaguars fans out and about Saturday night. Saturday, of course, during the day, they'll all be tailgating. And then Saturday night at the game. Bring your energy, Duval, because this team needs it against the Los Angeles Chargers. For Mia O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ LaSelva, I'm Lauren Brooks. Hopefully we are talking about another Victory Tuesday next week. Don't go anywhere. Into the Night with Rick Blue is next.